0: Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We appreciate you taking some time with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Good afternoon, Alan. Uh, Good afternoon, Fred. This is a special edition of our podcast, and we're happy to have with us from NVIDIA, the Senior Director of Automotive, Danny Shapiro. Thanks for joining us, Danny.
1: Hey guys, great to be here as always. Danny,
2: nice having you again.
0: We got big news, huh? We do, NVIDIA was front and center. Your CEO was even behind the wheel when Mercedes unveiled its new S-Class today. And the reason is the NVIDIA technology that's going into these vehicles. Give us a little bit of an overview, first of all, Danny.
1: Sure, thanks a lot, Fred. We've been working with Mercedes for a long time now. And so this new S-Class is really a a reinvention of the whole interior of the car. Uh, We started with MBUX, which is the Mercedes-Benz User Experience, several years ago, and that's basically been released throughout the line of Mercedes-Benz cars. But now this is the next generation of that. Um, This car features three different NVIDIA-driven systems. There are very powerful GPUs in there that are driving the augmented reality head-up display and instrument cluster, a full MBUX infotainment system. It's an OLED screen in the center. And there's my Mercedes that you can talk to in 27 different languages. And then there's high resolution screens in the back as well for rear seat occupants. And it's all shared so that content can go from the driver back to the passengers, or even with permission, the passengers can send maybe navigation uh, destinations up to the driver. So it's a fully integrated AI high resolution graphic system.
0: Sounds like backseat driver being taken to a new level here.
1: <laughs> so, Well, again, this car has amazing massage seats for for the back seats as well and, and all kinds of great sound systems so they're really taking this luxury to the next level but infusing it with the most advanced technology that is available today.
0: I guess it can be tricky when you put this kind of sophisticated technology in a vehicle to do it in a way that is not distracting that makes it perhaps less distracting for drivers. Tell us a little bit about how this is accomplished here because a heads-up display to some say, some might wonder, well, is that really gonna
1: work? Isn't that distracting? Yeah, I think you raise a good point and there's a lot of research that goes into this, not just putting technology in for technology's sake, but how do you create a safer and added convenience to the driver and to the passengers? So in the case of a head-up display, We're taking things that normally a driver might look elsewhere for and putting it right in the windshield, so right in their direct line of sight. So that keeps eyes on the road. This new system then integrates some 3D graphics technology, augmented reality, so that the navigation tips or other types of things are put in context of the outside environment, not just an icon or something that pops up. So it's really a little bit more immersive and really less distracting because it blends in with the environment outside the car. There's also, again, a lot of AI that's then taking functions that used to be distracting, somebody would have to look away, touch a button. In fact, there's 27 buttons that have been removed, switches, buttons, dials that are not in the new S class that were in the previous generation of a car. So instead voice and gesture can be used again without having to take eyes off the road. And tell me tell me about
0: the screens. There are five screens you're saying, and they can be voice controlled. It sounds like it could be a cacophony inside the vehicle if everybody's doing that, but t- tell us about the experience here.
1: Yeah, so the, um, the Hey Mercedes is kind of the wake up. And so you're able to talk to the vehicle and query the vehicle about different things, give commands, and then also it connects to the cloud. So you could do searches or, Um, It has a very large vocabulary. And again, I think a key thing for this vehicle is it's software defined, meaning it will get software updates. Things will get better, more features, more capabilities over time. So there's a lot of great technology in the car. Amazing amount of software, over 30 million lines of code that we worked on, let alone other service providers and and suppliers um, are contributing to that. But the software Will continually get better and better. So new features will be able to get rolled out over the air to the car.
2: Well, that's that's probably the thing that I was most impressed with, because, of course, (laughs) I've done my own set of complaining about my 2014 S-Class, which, of course, I ran down to the dealers to buy when they first put that out. Why? Because it had it had lane keeping and it had um, intelligent cruise control, uh, which which both worked really well and uh, or at least reasonably well uh but uh my goodness uh you know it's now 2020 and uh, and almost 2021 and my poor six-year-old car is still the same software same whatever the, the 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 steering sort of works damn it and i've been complaining why weren't they tesla why didn't they have the over the air updating so that in fact hey come on i'm just a customer why sh- why should i have to go buy a new one now i gotta go buy now i'm probably gonna go down and buy a new one i'm you know almost ran down the car dealer as soon as i saw your announcement today if they finally have this tell us about the is it for real or is it not for real
1: yeah. so we announced back in june the work we're doing with them on the next generation vehicle architecture so that's going to roll out in 2024 and so that is the fully centralized. All the different ECUs that are in these cars, many of them will be replaced by the NVIDIA drive system. Um, There will be, again, the ability to update virtually everything in the car that way. And that's kind of the the model that that you were talking about. This car is a step towards that. So it's not everything, but the whole interior, the MBUX, the user interface, a lot of the features and functions that all tie in there will be able to get over their updates. I don't know exactly which features yes and no as we're in this transition phase, but it will be a lot more updatable than your car that you're driving. That.
2: So, so what about the safety features? I mean, the features, the reason why I bought the car in the first place was because I wanted to, I wanted it to help me turn, uh, uh, go down and stay in the lane. I, I didn't want to sit there and watch the speedometer and decide, Oh my goodness, I only want to be nine over. If I go 10 over, I'm going to get a ticket. I'm going to let, I want to let it do it. And if I, you know, come up behind somebody, it's going to slow me down, not going to run into it. Um, and in fact, I guess the newer models, even if you know all of a sudden a stationary object with so, which so many people have problems with, it looks like Mercedes
1: ha- has got that down. What about those things? Tell us about those things yeah, so, in there. So that, that technology is, is legendary, Mercedes technology. And uh, they continue to, to work on that and improve on that. And again, that's sort of the vision of NVIDIA AI Will be part of the 2024 and beyond models of those vehicles and be fully software defined the cycle of collecting data training deep neural networks testing and simulation for validation then on road testing and out to deployment will be that cycle that we'll just see over and over with new updates going out to the cars so while this new mercedes s-class is a huge leap forward it's still not what we announced already so this is just sort of a a point along that path to get there, and uh, again, it'll be a—it's a pleasure to to drive amazing technology, incredible safety, and a lot of great AI.
2: Yeah, it, well, it's—it seems like, and it seems like they're—they're they're really doing a good job in rolling that out, and and it's really—I I guess I'm—I'm I'm so proud that you're in there and doing it and all that stuff, and in fact, you know, providing the. The computer hardware that's really necessary to bring all those things together it might be nice to have a whole bunch of modules doing a whole bunch of different things but it's a whole heck of a lot better bringing them all together and then having the opportunity to to hey if something goes hey we're well, gonna fix it as opposed to oh my goodness i gotta you know whatever you
1: know. i think what, what we've seen is this decentralized architecture inside of a car with dozens 100 even sometimes up to 150 ecus they're all these little fixed function parts. And again, they do a great job at yep. what they need to do, but you're right, it can't get better, it can't change. So we're consolidating all of that and then integrating the network. So even on the infotainment now, it's great how you're able to share information, content, um, and communicate You know, among the different passengers. And again, each passenger now can be recognized by the Mercedes system.
2: Yeah, and these things can also be collaborative in, inside, as opposed to independent, and in some sense uh, learn how to behave better together and deliver a better user experience, and all the things that you would like to see as the evolution of these, which now makes it possible. So it's 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 nice to see them evolve this way. I mean, I, I guess maybe. Tesla helped push them in that direction? I don't know or whatever, but uh, certainly Elon has tried to make a lot of, a lot of noise about it. Uh, but it's, it's really nice to see, uh, to see Mercedes coming out and, and, and recognizing that this is a, a darn good path to go down.
1: And it's, it's exciting too, because it, it really opens up a whole new business model for the car company. Whether features are purchased at the time of sale initially or maybe they're purchased later on. There could be different subscription models. Uh, So it's really, it's it's wide open and it really gives the industry and the consumer a lot of choice you know
2: i i think there's i think there's of course a business opportunity i i, I haven't wanted these things for free in my car i'm willing to pay for it, but but i just haven't been able to get them and so it's not it's not a willingness to 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 properly uh compensate mercedes for it but it's it's that you know and it's it, to me it, it's been a little bit okay you buy a car you get it out next thing you know they tell you it's no good you gotta go buy a new one but this not says this i think this this to me, it's a better customer relationship. It allows them to go in. And, and eventually you do go in and buy another one and buy another one. But in the meantime, you're getting, you can get more and more from them, get better use out of it. And everybody's a happier camper, I think. Anyway. So
0: what, what was striking, mask, Danny, I was going to say, what help. was striking to me was in your blog post, you said that uh, this vehicle has the computing power of sixty typical vehicles that are out there today, wow!
1: Yeah, if you add up all the, the TOPS, the trillions of operations per second that we deliver to the car, um, it's over thirty TOPS. Um, the average car out there that that doesn't have any kind of autonomous features, so a typical vehicle on the road, is about a half a TOPS. Um, so we're you know the equivalent of sixty vehicles by by that metric. <laughs>
2: You know, it was sort of funny when all this stuff started to uh, appear in cars. Uh, some of this electronics, and then, and then I think it was sort of early on, probably maybe close to 15 years ago, where, you know, all Mercedes begins to say that you know the sort of all of these uh, separate uh, computing systems that are out there, how many there are, and whatever. And one said, "Holy macro. I thought they were just pistons, rings, and springs, and and gears. You know, all of a sudden there's all this stuff, and then and now what what it's becoming is it's 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 just it's a computer on wheels right i mean it's absolutely what the hell it is it's
1: it's, it's moving into a data center on the wheels. a data center on wheel is probably so a better much wheel. yeah data coming in from all the sensors so again fully autonomous is, is going to take it in a lot more but even these cars mm-hmm. have uh, quite a number of cameras radar uh, in some cases lidar and they're constantly monitoring. And, and yeah, and they, and they should
2: be. I mean, that's that's what's sort of one of the things I've argued for the cars that we drive and that we're in. We can, you know, as long as we, we should be <coughs> asked to pay attention part of the time. But the rest of the time, it could be doing it. It should be keeping us out of getting into trouble, keeping us between, as I like to say, between the, the hard place and the rock and, and, and so that we're enjoying uh, all the comfort features that are put in there without, you know, abusing them. And 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 to help us, I think I think we all need help. Uh, we're, we're trying to not misbehave out there with these vehicles. I, I don't think many of us want to speed. Uh, sometimes you know it's just so comfortable you start going, and you know and, you know whatever. But and so to have all that and have it help us in the driving function, which at times is a lot of fun, but a lot of times it's. It's 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 a it's a big burden, so help us out. And I you think with with that computing power and and with the, with what you're putting in there, that's that's really it affords them to to give me a whole heck of a lot more customer service, right?
0: And there's a lot to look forward to come 2024 when even more of your technology is in these, right? So we'll continue in just a moment. This is a good time to remind you about our sponsor the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, we should point out, check out the white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Good information there to help you make informed investment decisions. And you may know that ETFs are a good way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category. Again, the site is M-O-T-O-E-T-F Danny, I wanted to ask you, getting back into things here, with the pandemic that's been going on, how has that impacted the progress that you've been able to
1: make at NVIDIA?
0: Obviously, every company's affected in, in one way or another.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's really serious in terms of where the state of California is at. Um, businesses are, are closed. Most restaurants are closed. and A lot of other things um, aren't happening like they did pre-pandemic. Um, NVIDIA never shut down. We immediately went to a, a work from home mode, and that's where we are now, and we will be at least through the rest of this year, and we'll see how things shape up in, in 21. Hopefully, it gets much better. But we were able to, to pivot very quickly. Um, we're a software business predominantly. People think of us as a hardware company. Of course, we do make hardware. We have very limited essential workers that do go into the labs to bring up the new chips. Um, just yesterday, even we released our new G-Force uh, gaming products. And it's a whole you want to stand up and product. show us that shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so this, is, yeah. <laughs> this is our facing uh. technology. So we continue to innovate and push forward. And um, the teams work from home in in the Bay Area uh, and around the world. And we're using Zoom and WebEx like this here, and email, and and phones, and and everything's moving ahead full steam. Uh, We have our our GTC conference, which usually would be a great big in-person event. Um, We pivoted last spring quickly, moved it online. Um, And this year, we're planning it for next month in October and um, we we expect 60,000 people to register online. And so it'll be much bigger than our in-person events. So that's gonna be totally virtual as well? That's right, it'll be 100% virtual. And what's cool about it this year is, because we had a little bit more time to plan it, it's uh, October 5th through 9th, so it's five days, 24 hours a day. It's around the clock. So the sessions will be in the U.S. during the daylight in the U.S. and in Europe during the daylight in U.S. and in Asia as well, same. And so around the clock, you'll be able to tune in for live sessions, as well as then everything will be available on demand. So, And be,
0: you're going to be covering the, the breadth of products that NVIDIA is involved in, whether it's automotive or gaming,
1: et cetera? That's right. So there's over 500 sessions during those five days. And so there'll be an automotive track, and so we'll have a whole range of different speakers and topics from um, customers, car makers, truck makers, to sensor companies, to algorithm companies, and then you'll be able to get more insight into things like Drive by X, which is our intelligent experience, which is the foundational technology upon which the MBUX is built. Um, so it's for, it's a developer conference um, primarily, but again, it's uh, it's there to teach about everything AI, high performance computing, and graphics. And how do you handle I don't know if, if
0: you get much in the way of the interaction in person, obviously you do, but do you enable somehow interaction among people who, who join in here?
1: At, during the conference, of course, so there's a lot of the sessions are like webinars where there'll be a presentation and then there's live q and a and interaction after the presentation. So that's along the lines of what we would do at a real conference, right People would speak and then there would be a questions from the audience. So we're trying to, again, do that in a digital fashion. There's also a lot of different networking types of uh, opportunities we're doing. Um, So there's ways for people to get together based on a particular topic, like a birds of a feather. So those will be facilitated digitally. Um, We also have a, a great event for the live event called Dinner with Strangers, where people would show up at the conference and there's a board and people can sign up. We make reservations at different local restaurants and people would get together Um, just to meet and to talk about different topics. So we're actually gonna do the digital version of Dinner with Strangers online. So again, it's just a way to facilitate people meeting, interacting and being able to discuss uh, a topic that they're interested in.
2: Uh, That's a a really interesting comment because of course, you know, uh, with Fred and so on, we've been trying to do these Zoominars and, and Zoom sessions. And of course, as you know, uh, we're teaching online and I just got out of class and and whatever. And it's uh, it's um, it's quite a challenge. Uh, But uh, the sort of the thing that that I've kind of found just, you know, after a couple of lectures here is that is that people, some of the students stick around longer after class and want to chat. So there is, you know, one of the things that takes place at a conference is you go to a session and then you wanna to talk to the speakers or something like that. Sometimes they're rushing out of there and so on. Having that opportunity to, for both the students and for me to talk to them, whatever is very good. And then sort of the other thing that I've kind of picked up on a little bit, uh, same as your your dinner, dinner with uh, strangers or friends or whatever, however you're saying it, is that as as you must know, you know some Princeton students have decided to form pods out there. If they can't come come to campus, they're out there running a house in who knows what West Virginia or something like that, and, and so on. And and while I'm not sure that the university really encourages that, the students that live close to each other, I'm um, I'm sort of implicitly saying do the same sort of thing. Uh, you know find a way to get together with proper social distancing and all the other things that that one wants to do Uh, to those that happen to be near you uh, if if, if, at least if if I can afford them the opportunity to better get together then on a smaller scale now, we can't just go throw the TI parties or, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Otherwise, I'm going to get a letter from the president or something. I don't
0: want to well, know. it was a couple of Princeton students, we talked about it a couple of months ago, that started a business, Alan, uh, taking hotels in Arkansas yeah, and yeah. Hawaii yeah. for students, setting it up for college students to come there rather than staying home. Right, and they got shut down their- and the
2: people yeah, people that <laughs> they shut them down, they probably protested out front because they were afraid of, you know, hordes of students uh, doing who knows what. And yes, uh, of course, you, you've got to watch your scale, but I think for, for the as 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 when we you you did it live and we did I participated in that live in your conference so Danny, you know going to dinner with somebody it's a handful of people going together that can have a meaningful interchange and and and. And given the number of people you're going to have at your conference, uh, there are probably locally, at least in the in the in the places where people live, a couple other people nearby that are also attending. That it's probably a good opportunity for them to meet, get together, and and in fact do this this key networking piece that takes place in at conferences that are live that we can
1: help um, you know facilitate on in this online world. Uh, What do you think, Dan? One of the the other things that that we've done, you you asked about what's different in COVID now. We used to have two safety drivers in our vehicles. And again, because of of social distance, you really can't do that in a car. So we've been working on a technology that is our Drive RC, which is remote control. And basically, it's it's streaming of data out of the vehicle um, to the cloud. And so we can now have our co-pilot at home monitoring the feeds and monitoring everything that's going on while the safety driver's behind the wheel. And they can communicate, of course, real time. Um, and so we're still able to continue in a, a safe fashion with, with two people monitoring the system, one really focused on the road, and the other focused on everything that's going on And is the there as much of, of that yeah. on-the-road yeah, testing let me, going let, on?
0: Yeah, let, let, me, let me just,
2: that's also valuable for putting the product out there. Because I think that that you know, if we get to the driverless piece, which I think is an important piece to get to, there is going to be remote monitoring on these. Absolutely. Okay. There's going to be a pipe, uh, you know, going both ways. Now, the the person in the hollowed out mountain or in their bedroom isn't going to be able to sit there and drive it because I I don't know I you know, the bandwidth and all that stuff and the delays and so on to do that at X miles an hour isn't there. But but to be able to pull a car off the road, to be able to monitor, to be able to provide support, to be able to do those kinds of things is all there. So I think all the things that you're developing to help the the attendant, the safety driver on board is 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 a value is a value here.
0: For sure. Related to that, Alan, there's a story that just came out this afternoon The uh, US National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has launched its autonomous vehicle online tracking tool, which is a map that shows some of the places where the vehicles are being tested on public roads. And I guess that's going to be available to the public to see what's going on.
2: Yeah, I I would think so. Whether it's not not making available what's inside the vehicle, but it is trying to make it available to the public. possibly at this point in time slight two-edged sword uh, in some sense one doesn't want to freak out the public that holy hell these things are coming down Cleveland Lane and I don't want them showing up here and who knows what response um, and uh, and of course my comment on the, on that whole thing uh, none of Elon's cars are going to be on there so <laughs> I don't know I mean I, you know <laughs> whatever but uh, but that's a whole but other. But
0: the ones that have applied for testing. But the I'm ones sure that have Eddie applied for in. testing
2: and so on. And I guess, uh, you know, I guess it's good that we know what goes on in the neighborhood. I, I think that all these companies that are doing testing should be out there talking to the people in the neighborhoods and, and basically uh, letting them know that what they're doing, because they're going to if they're going to go out there driverlessly in the neighborhood, they're going to have to be welcomed. If they're not welcomed. I mean, you know, it's just too easy to to um whatever to to put a, a monkey wrench in that mechanism and have it come to a screeching halt so in a sense uh you know the cooperation between not only the users but those on which uh, the roads that are being used are are, are at least, um, you know, um, uh, cognizant and, and, uh, and say, hey, yeah, you know, these things are pretty damn good. I, I want them or don't come here and hell, we'll find other roads to do this on. I, it's yeah, it, it's it's a challenge.
0: You have any thoughts about uh, about the announcement of NHTSA?
1: So NVIDIA is, is part of it. It's a, a voluntary thing and we, um, we believe in transparency and want to uh, work with the communities that, that we're testing. And what we're creating is something that will enhance transportation for everybody. Um, so we, we test on the West Coast, we test on the, the East Coast, and we do drives uh, across the, the middle of the country as well and into Canada and then other places around the world. Um, And we need to ensure that the cars can drive in a whole range of different environments. Um, We take safety very seriously. And as I mentioned, that's why we would have generally two people that are either in the car or monitoring the car on every test drive. And so it's a whole series of checks that we go through, just like like a plane taking off, all the flight um, safety requirements and inspections and all that. We have a very rigorous program um, that we go through to put these vehicles on the road. Of course, we use simulation very heavily. We've talked about that, but that's a big part of the safety is still being able to simulate everything before you even get to that road testing phase. Absolutely. You've been doing that for a long time. Yeah,
0: I've
2: you know. been doing that for a long time. And I always felt that that was, you know, one of NVIDIA's fu- fundamental opportunities. You come from the gaming world. You know how to create uh, uh, artificial environments. You know how to put those things together. You know how to use them. You know how to do the user interaction. And in some sense, you know, if there's anybody that can do that, you guys should be able to do that. So in a sense, it's it's leveraging a lot of the other capabilities that you have to be able to do that and, it, and as fred and i always say safety is an absolute necessity here these aren't safe uh you know we're gonna let's all go to gaming and just do gaming the hell with us stuff or something like that we're we're out of business here if we're not safe so we have to be safe uh, does that mean no crashes of course not uh i mean i don't know i mean perfection I'm not a perfectionist, so, because I don't know, I'm just too much of a realist to be a perfectionist,
1: I guess, but whatever.
0: Danny, Danny, give us the dates once again of NVIDIA's upcoming conference next month.
1: Yes, so the GPU technology conference is October 5th through the 9th, and uh, registration is open now at nvidia.com GTC.
0: Terrific. Um, Alan's got his Smart Driving Car Summit coming up. It's gonna be virtual also. This year, that's uh, scheduled for the 20th of October through the 22nd. There's more info on that at smartdrivingcar.com. Check that out for the latest info. We want to thank you, Danny, for being here with us. Really appreciate it. It was
1: my pleasure. Take
2: care, guys. And Danny, congratulations. This is a a big news today, and and you worked hard for it. You deserve it. Um, uh, Congratulations.
0: And you can find Danny's blog at blog blog.nvidia.com thanks to our sponsor the smart etfs smart transportation and technology etf the ticker symbol is moto for more information go to motoetf.com you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com also on anchor fm spotify tune in apple google speakers soundcloud wherever you get your podcast these days You can ask your smart speaker to play us too. Maybe when you're sitting in the Mercedes, you can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening or watching and stay safe.
2: Thank you. Thank you everybody. Have a good uh, rest of the day.